1: book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry-free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator
2: hey what's up i'm guy and that's john well it will be john in about 45 minutes This is a different type of podcast today because it's two shows in one. Lucky you. On Tuesday morning, I did a show first thing in the morning, which I'm doing every day right now on YouTube. So go to the Haberman and Middekoff YouTube channel, which is down in the description below to check it. And then in the afternoon, John and I did another podcast. So instead of putting them out separately, I'm going to put them both out right here just so I don't totally flood the feed. In the first podcast, I'm talking about Rex Ryan's interest, Vrabel, Belichick, answering some questions from you guys on Instagram DMs, getting into Burford, Feliciano, why I'm not too concerned about IUK, NFL ratings and more. And then John jumps in around uh, from now. It'll be, you know, it's like 45 minutes in, but I'll put it in the description as well. And we get into more overtime, updated takes on overtime, some Belichick stuff and uh, and more there as well. So thanks for jumping in. And here we go. Hey, Uh hey, Mike Vrabel has been a very popular name. So popular, in fact, that uh, I'm getting messages about him on LinkedIn. I don't do a lot of LinkedIn messaging, but I got a message from Aaron uh, yesterday that said on your next podcast, say Aaron from LinkedIn wants to know, is Mike Vrabel a viable candidate to replace Steve Wilkes? Listen, says Aaron. I know it would probably be for only a year, but you don't replace Wilkes unless there's a better candidate to replace him. Variable is the most obvious, and who knows if he would even want to be a coordinator or just sit out a year. You know, the Niners winning the Super Bowl would have made this uh, – it still would have been a very interesting story, right? If they'd found a way to win the Super Bowl, you'd go, all right, halfway through the season you had to move your coordinator down, something he did not want to do. You had your star player saying he just has to wait to learn, <coughs> excuse me, what we do around here then your coach had to call the timeout. Kyle Shanahan called the timeout to change the defense uh, at the end of the game. And so it would have felt like that maybe Wilks, even with a ring, maybe there would be a change anyway, as weird as that is. It definitely, I think, feels like there's going to be a change now. And the name that I'm bringing to you today, I'm not saying this is the best candidate, but this is a very interesting candidate, Rex Ryan. Now, why is Rex interesting? Why are we even talking about Rex? I would not, I did not wake up today thinking, You know what we should do? We should talk about Rex Ryan, who hasn't coached in the NFL in seven years, and he was a head coach. He hasn't been a DC in over well over a decade, like 15 years. He hasn't had a top 10 defense in the NFL since 2010. But Rex Ryan, I I, uh, saw this tweet from RJ Ochoa. Rex Ryan on Sunday was talking about the Cowboys job. He wanted the Cowboys job. Uh, Mike Zimmer the Cowboys defensive coordinator reportedly, but Rex Ryan wanted the job. And what he said about it is why his name comes up here for the 49ers. This is what he said. Quote, I've been out seven years. I've never called another head coach or anything like that. I called Mike McCarthy. And the reason I did is because I want to be on this stage. I want to be, uh, I want to be back on this stage. If I'm going to get back into coaching, have a chance at that. I think, with this roster, the way it is, I think offensively, special teams, defense, I figured I could make even a little of an upgrade that they could be right here. He's talking about here being the Super Bowl. That's why I was interested. Your team has no chance at me. He's talking to most people now. Generally, that's the case. I will only go to the right, the right situation. And if it's not completely right, but the team uh but this team, it is interesting. Okay, so he's saying I would go to this cowboy team. Uh, because they're close to getting over the top, getting over the edge. And that's why I think people would be interested in this job. So, you know, when you've got money, when you've got leverage, when you don't need it, you can say things like this. You can be Rex and say, you know, I don't want to come back and coach uh, the Texans defense. I don't love it enough to come back and coach the Vikings defense. I don't want to come coach the Titans defense. But the Cowboys, I'm Sexy Rexy. I love the bright lights this million-dollar smile, these chompers, I didn't pay for these chompers to be smiling through a Cardinals practice. I got these chompers for Dallas. I got these chompers for New York. I got these chompers for ESPN. And the question is twofold, right? One, would the Niners want them? Two, do the Niners fit this bill? It is possible that he would say the only team that rises to the level of the Dallas Cowboys in terms of attention and importance is the Dallas Cowboys, that there's no other job that would attract me enough. But the Niners are about as close as you can get, not being New York, where it doesn't really matter how good you are, you're a star, or the Cowboys, who are, you know, people hate America's team, but they are just the biggest football brand that there is. Niners are top five. Niners at the right, in the right year can also be like a co-number one, a number two range. And um, I think for the ego standpoint for Rex, you get to do the same thing you've would've, you would you would have done in Dallas, right? If Rex Ryan goes to the Dallas Cowboys, which he's not, but if Rex goes to the Dallas Cowboys and Mike McCarthy wins a Super Bowl and the Cowboys win a Super Bowl, Rex beats, gets to be the guy that put him over the top. Well, the same thing applies to the 49ers, right? Part of the attractiveness to Rex Ryan about the 49ers would not just be that they are a major, major brand. They play big-time games. They've got, despite some of the deficiencies and now an injury, some superstar players. But part of the attraction would be, here's Kyle Shanahan, who some still call a great coach. I, I'm one of them, but he hasn't won a championship. And people are wondering if there's some inherent flaw in Kyle that will keep him from ever being able to get over the top. And so if you're Rex Ryan and you want to stroke the ego a little bit you get to be the guy that puts Kyle Shanahan over the top the question on the flip side would be would that prevent Kyle Shanahan from wanting Bill Belichick Mike Vrabel Rex Ryan would he would he want would he avoid a guy who's a big star getting to be the guy that helped put Kyle Shanahan or just get credit for putting Kyle Shanahan over the top i don't think he would have a problem with it. I mean, he he builds his team with as many stars as he possibly can, and they all share the spotlight. So he would just be doing what he asks his players to do, which is share the coaching spotlight a little bit. And if the ultimate goal is to win the Super Bowl, then you just do what's best for the team. If that means you can get Bill Belichick, then you freaking go hire Bill Belichick to be your defensive coordinator, as long as Jed's willing to open up the old the direct deposit for whatever that would cost, 15, 18, you know, can you pay your DC 18 if your coach is making 14 or 15? So, you know, that, that there would be some ego uh, adjustments that everybody would have to make there. But at this point, you got to do whatever it takes to win the championship. All right. So he hasn't had a top 10 defense since uh, 2010. He's only 61 years old. Rex uh, acts young, has a lot of energy from what you see on TV. You always got to be a little careful with your TV people. Uh, but Rex has a lot of energy, just turned 61 in December, television for seven years because he says, eh, I'm not going to come out of this to go work out, outside of the brightest possible lights. I think you could give him the brightest possible lights. One thing about him, going back and looking at his career, because I say he's, he, you know, he he was head coach at the end and hasn't had a top 10 defense since 2010, since Brock Purdy was 11 years old. Um, he's also never really had his defense paired with an elite offense his last year in the league was his first top 10 offense. That wasn't a particularly, it was a Tyrod Taylor, Buffalo bills offense. So It wasn't anything spectacular. Um, he got fired at the end of the year and Anthony Lynn took over. Now Kyle Shanahan would not have much issue, would not have any problems trying to get some Intel on Rex, but, uh, if he needed a little, he'd get some from Anthony Lynn who coached with him for two years with the Buffalo bills. So, uh, We'll find out maybe if Rex is interested because Rex will tell us. Rex is going to call. Will Rex call while Steve Wilkes has the job? Well, the fact that he didn't call at all anybody ever for seven years until Mike McCarthy had an opening makes me wonder. Maybe Rex doesn't call directly, but people will let you know. You know, I, I it, people have wondered, like, do you need to know who your next coach is, a defensive coordinator, before you move on from Steve Wilkes? I don't think you do. If you think this, we cannot go on like this, which is what it feels like. The scene at the end of the Super Bowl, I think spoke volumes and it's been, you know, it, it's not just the scene at the end of the Super Bowl. I, I didn't mention this earlier. The reason we got to the point where uh, and uh, um, uh, Steve Wilkes came out of the, the booth was because it started, remember, when Kyle Shanahan kind of called him out in a press conference <clears throat> after what happened at the end of the Vikings game. So uh, it just feels like that's inevitable. Now, there is a, I mean, there's definitely a collection, right? These guys, the defensive coaches that are available right now, Vrabel, Belichick, Pete Carroll, uh, and I I guess Rex Ryan's available if he wants to be available. It's a pretty impressive list. To go to Vrabel, some people, a lot of people seem to have uh, suggested uh, would also be interesting. Vrabel, like Rex Ryan, like Bill Belichick, doesn't need it. Doesn't have to be here, right? So he can choose to do only what is right for him. He's been paid head coaching money and um, doesn't have to come be your DC. And I do wonder if the public way in which Kyle Shanahan made it clear that he doesn't have 100% trust in Steve Wilkes would that prevent somebody else from coming to work for him right does does a dc if i'm interviewing with kyle as a defensive coordinator i say kyle so you called your guy out in a press conference basically you forced him correctly so that right it helped in theory it coincided at least with them getting better down to the field when he didn't want to do it you screamed into the headset because you did not he did not have full autonomy to call the defense the way he wanted to at the end of the super bowl Head coaches do that though. That's part of the job. That's why they get paid what they get paid. And uh, I think everybody understands that. But that would be a fair question. And I do wonder if you were to pair him with a head coach, right? Mike Vrabel's a head coach and will be a head coach again in the NFL. Would they have a you know a, an understanding about Mike, I'm the head coach. I'm Kyle, I'm the head coach. I get to do some of the things that I want to do that head coaches do and that coordinators don't get to do. And sometimes that means Maybe I tell you what to do. Um, and would would Mike Vrabel be okay with that? Or does Kyle trust him so much that that situation would never come up? One thing with Variable, his Titans the last couple of years did all right against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, in 2022, the last time the Titans and Chiefs played, it was the game after the Chiefs beat the 49ers last year. Uh, the Titans went to Kansas City. The Chiefs were uh five and two at the time and lost. Titans lost 20 to 17. They uh held Mahomes <clears throat> ready for this one to 43 of 68 for 446 yards, just one touchdown. They picked him off and they sacked him four times. They did a good job. Vrabel's defense did a good job against uh Patrick Mahomes last year. The year before. 2021, at the time, Kansas City was off to a slow start. They went to Tennessee at 3-3. Three and three. Tennessee entered the game at 4-2. and two. It's a Kansas City team that eventually would go on to lose to the Bengals in the AFC Championship game. But Mahomes that day, 20-35, of 206 yards, no touchdowns, a pick, four sacks. So the last two times that Mike Vrabel has played Patrick Mahomes, he's held him in two games to one touchdown, Two interceptions and ain't sacks. I think that makes Mike Vrabel pretty damn attractive. It makes him really attractive. You got you got to look at whoever is going to be your defensive coordinator next year, and uh, you know maybe he uh, maybe it's not inevitable as some people on the chat are suggesting. It inevitable is I w- oh, maybe we should stop short of ineligible uh, in inevitable uh, vegetable, but. I wouldn't stop much short of it because it. I would. I would bet a lot on it right now. Um, But you've got to view it like uh, you're trying to beat one team for the World Series, and they got a star left-handed hitter. You got to bring in a lefty. It's just you got to match up with that team with that guy. You got to get your Jordan stopper, right? Your Kobe stopper. That's what you need at this point. Now you do have to win division, win the NFC, beat these other teams the NFC. But ultimately, what stands in your way of winning the Super Bowl, it's not really debatable anymore. It's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. It is Michael Jordan. And you are John Starks in the Knicks. You are Reggie Miller and the Pacers. You are Charles Barkley and the Suns. That's who you are. And they're Jordan. And uh, Jordan didn't lose to those guys. Jordan beat those guys. They never found a way to win a championship. When he was around. I uh, Barkley. I said Barkley and the Suns. Barkley and the Rockets when Jordan was playing with for the Birmingham Barons and the Phoenix Firebirds. Then Barkley, well, no, Barkley didn't get his championship on those Rockets, though. Never mind. Uh, but the Rockets did. So um that's that's how you got to approach this. How do we stop Mahomes? How do we stop Andy Reid? Not even stop, just how do we give our guys a better shot? If you played that Super Bowl from this past weekend again ten times, I told you eh, six, five and a half, five and a half to Kansas City Niners, maybe five and five, but you lost that one. You lost the biggest one that mattered. God, I'm looking. At, I'm looking over the TV. Got Chris Jones highlights going right now. Whew, woof, uh, Robbie on the stream says, "Guy, thoughts on Brandon Ayuk's family acting like idiots." Robbie's words, not mine, on social media. Does he really want out? Should they trade him and draft a top offensive lineman or just more contract negotiation BS? Well, I don't think it's contract negotiation BS. I also don't think it's um, you lose, things are emotional. Uh people are emotional. You go to the Super Bowl, it's what you've worked for. You get three catches and lose. I get it. To a point, Ayuk posted a lot of uh there's been a lot going on. The 49ers have been on the internet the last couple of days. And, you know, I would advise them not to be, but we're all humans. Uh, Brandon Ayuk posts, black screen, eyeball emoji. Don't forget what got you there. Uh, His girlfriend quoted, uh, I've watched the video, but Akash Anavarathan here quoted it. She said, uh, it might be the last time we step foot at Levi's because they might not be here next season. Uh, Yuk, of course, has uh, got a fifth-year option coming. Uh, his brother on Instagram, this is uh, Wayne Breezy on Twitter, I saw post this. Instagram post, uh, this is the exact reason why we leave in San Francisco. Thank you, 49ers, for drafting my brother. We are forever grateful. eight to Vegas. Why Vegas? Uh, and then another post, why does your all-pro 1,300-yard receiver have three catches in the Super Bowl? Question mark. Question mark? You know, this is a, a little bit of a continuation or departure, depending on how you look at it, from last year around the draft, April 28th, when uh, the fifth-year option had not yet been picked up. And Brandon Iyuk tweeted, when my agent called me this morning just chatting, I thought I was out of there. I was gone. Head to the facility and start kicking down doors. There was a minute, people forget, but there was a minute, a couple of days, maybe you don't forget, where things were just a little weird. The Niners had not picked up Ayuk's fifth-year option. Um, The draft was impending, and you just assumed that everything would be normal and they would pick it up, nothing to see here. But then, like, another week would go by, and Brandon Ayuk's fifth-year option was picked up. And you're looking around the league going, well, that guy's option got picked up, and that guy's option got picked up. Why did not Ayuk's option get picked up? And then, eventually, it got picked up but it felt like the Niners were considering just seeing what was out there last year. Should we trade him? Could we upgrade another position? And that's going to be part of the conversation this year too. So get ready. I mean, this is whether or not his family's posting about it. This is just part of the conversation. When you have a team that comes up short, you have a player that's going to be very expensive because he's valuable to you. um, And I think very, very valuable to you. And um, uh, yeah, and 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 you got to plug other holes. So just looking back, I mean, three catches in the Super Bowl. He had three catches against Detroit. He had three catches against the Packers. They won both those games. Nobody said a thing. He uh, had three catches against the Cardinals this year. He had two catches against the Seahawks. He had three catches against the Jags. One of them was a touchdown. He had three catches against the Rams. Um, you know, we know that. I, I Iuk is not boom or bust because some games he booms and has six, seven catches. Some games he has three and they're really valuable catches. Um, you know, his 49 receiving yards was less than he had Green Bay in the playoffs. So maybe it's a maybe it's a culmination of only nine catches in the playoffs. We got a lot of targets. I mean, 20 targets, uh, 20 targets in three games. I mean, what is that? over a over a full season what is that rate 20 divided by 3 is 6.6 times 17 is 113. like that's a normal rate for him he got targeted 105 times this year during the regular season and missed a game so what he his 20 targets in three games in the postseason is on par with what he got during the regular season and he had 75 catches during the year now could he go somewhere else and have 90 catches I think he could I think he could. But I mean if you want to go have 90 catches and you're not going to have 90 in uh Vegas straight up for DeVonte. Um so, you know, I I don't I I I don't worry too much about this stuff right now. Emotional after the Super Bowl, family, all those things. I don't I don't worry about that stuff right now. His family San Vegas, says Patrick. They just want the money. They don't care about his touching the Super Bowl. They want, they want the biggest bag. Every player mostly wants the biggest bag, too. Um, maybe he just wants to reunite with Jimmy G. That would be a scene. Uh, a few of you asked uh, questions here. I can't find your questions, but I'm going to get to it. Many people asked, did I see the John Feliciano, Spencer Burford, a happy ending here. I talked with Jeff Schwartz yesterday on the show. If you missed it, you can uh, go watch that video or check out the podcast down in the YouTube description. Or if you're listening to the podcast, you can go watch the video on YouTube, which is in the description. The third down at four in overtime, Purdy gets blown up by uh, uh, an unblocked superstar. The last player that should be unblocked is unblocked. And uh, Chris Jones disrupts the play and nothing happens. Then I just kicked the field goal. And uh, so that clip was going around. I posted it and uh, several other people posted it and were, were more critical of the offensive line and John Feliciano right guard injured tweeted a quick chop is not needed. If the guy that's supposed to block him blocks him seven hours later, Spencer Burford wakes up and says, sheesh, I opened my app up to this. Get well soon, bro. They're teammates. Spencer Burford was the guy that uh, missed the block. Uh, Feliciano responded, happy ending. I'm sorry, bro. I woke up hungover and being a bitch. I'm trying to have one's back. I hurt you. It's effed up, and I apologize. You got nothing but greatness ahead of you. I'm sorry, bro. When I saw the Feliciano tweet, I had a feeling that he did not mean it the way that people took it. Like, oh, he's taking a shot at Burford. You just lost a Super Bowl. You're upset. You're just saying, people were saying, I think both of them were coming to the defense of Colton McKivitch. Burford came to the defense of Colton McKivitch, 68. Like, hey man, it, it wasn't on him. That was on me. Burford, credit to him, came out and said that was on me. Really, not much else you can say. Uh, but um, I'm not gonna spend too spend too much time on that, but it did have a uh did have a happy ending. Super Bowl viewership, 123 million, a record high. Uh congratulations. The NFL, uh, uh, congratulations are in order. Um, this beat the record from last year, 115 million. Now, these numbers do include CBS, which is where most people watch it. I love when they're like, these numbers include CBS. Yes, we know. Paramount Plus, I'd be curious what that number was. Una Vision. Uh, NFL Digital Channels, I guess that means NFL Plus. I don't that doesn't mean international, or Nickelodeon, which aired the child-friendly telecast, which if you have not seen as painful as it is, if you want to try and reduce the amount of pain you feel watching the highlight of the Chiefs scoring the touchdown that wins the Super Bowl, go watch the Nickelodeon version of that. (laughs) You, I I don't think you'll be able to help but laugh. Uh, The New York Times article goes on to say, league officials have pointed to numerous close games this season, along with a playoff hunt that had several teams involved till the end as a big a reason for the big ratings boost this year. It's unclear how much miss Swift helped boost viewership. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could point to close games this year. I wouldn't, I would point to an increasingly fractured media landscape and uh, people who still love getting together quote unquote for an event and they're just being fewer and fewer events that you can get together for. To me, the first thing that came to mind when I was thinking about why do these ratings keep climbing, besides just the thing I've been talking about forever, which is the NFL has a stranglehold because of numerous factors. One, their schedule is ingrained in the American brain, right? I can't remember if today's Tuesday or Wednesday, but I damn sure know what time kickoff is on Sunday night football. And I know about Thursday. And I know about Monday. We all do. Everybody does gambling boost fantasy boost. They've done a really good job with some of their, I don't watch it, but like they're uh, more family oriented uh, uh, um, draft shows on, and they put them on ABC. Uh, so they've, you know, they've hit so many marks with this stuff. And the thing, the first thing I thought of when I, when I was thinking about this was um, I remember like post pandemic, feeling like i just i got to i don't want to just order clothes or shoes and pull them out of a box look at them send them back it was a pain in the ass it, i enjoyed actually going to a store buying it not buying it and then moving on as opposed to ordering it waiting 5 days trying it on not liking it printing out a return label to putting it on the box taking it back to fedex sending it back it just even though it seems like it's always easier to just order something, it's not always easier to just order something. And there is an experience you get from being kind of out in the world that you missed. And the number of things that are a communal event, like football, the Super Bowl, especially, uh dwindle by the year. So uh I don't think it's it's any big mystery. And I, I think for me, I think the heart of it is the schedule. They have hammered the schedule into everybody's brain and so when you know baseball everyone knew was every night basketball you didn't necessarily always know your team schedule but it wasn't that big of a deal because you would just flip on the tv and the local news would tell you or whatever it doesn't work like that anymore so the nfl has an advantage at a time when people are not turning on their television right any of you with kids know your your kids are definitely not turning on the tv to look at the cable, I mean, they might be, if you got a YouTube app, but they might just be doing it on their laptop or their phone or their iPad. Football, already ingrained. So everything gets flipped upside down. The media market is a car skidding on the highway on its roof, and you, where's your cell phone? And football is that, uh, what's the OnStar button? It's just, yelling, you always know where it is. It's right there. So I don't think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's no great mystery. By the way, one of the stories of the year, uh, is becoming of this part of the year is becoming a few people are saying that Bears should not draft Caleb Williams and keep Justin Fields it was one of the dr- the biggest draft story at last week of Super Bowl week was Merrill Hodge who by the way is jacked um on radio row telling somebody that he would not go to Caleb Williams and he would stick with Justin Fields and this morning I'm watching Mike Greenberg yell at everybody on uh, get up and Jeff Saturday says he would keep Justin Fields around. I'm here to tell you as someone who watched Caleb Williams uh, for two years at USC, I voted for Caleb Williams and the Heisman two years ago, as did everybody else. He won the Heisman. I voted for Michael Penix with my official Heisman ballot this year, by the way. I would draft Caleb Williams. I would not overthink it. I don't know if he's going to be... I I would not expect him to be. You can't expect anybody to be Patrick Mahomes 2.0. But he's better than Justin Fields. He is what a number one quarterback prospect looks like he is it so when you get a number one quarterback prospect and you are drafting number one you draft the number one quarterback prospect the other thing for the bears is they have the ninth pick so they're in great shape i mean it's not as if they won't get a first rounder if they reach on a quarterback but drafting caleb williams number one in this draft is not reaching for quarterback he's not overvalued because of his position right this isn't um uh you know well, I don't, Trey Lance or Zach Wilson, right? Guys who got drafted a lot higher than they they were rated behind on, every, on a lot of people's draft boards. They're rated behind other positions, but they get the quarterback inflation. This is not quarterback inflation with Caleb Williams. If the Bears don't draft Caleb Williams, to me, it'll be one of the most stunning draft decisions we've ever seen. You just, when you need a quarterback and the Bears need a quarterback, you don't pass on clear-cut number one blue chip QBs. You just don't. And uh, I don't think they will. They shouldn't. It'd be crazy. Washington would Washington would fall to their knees thanking the heavens if they were to get Caleb Williams at number two. So, um, you know, again, I don't know exactly what he's going to be- become, but I do know draft value and prospect value, and this is a number one quarterback. So butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal free for a year Yeah, Prize Picks is where it's at. Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million users. I've been using it and telling you about it for months. It's the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. We're not going to talk about my Otani Less season long pick quite yet on his home run total. You just pick more or less of two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash for example this week on prize picks you can go anthony edwards more than 29 points and nikola Jokic more than 10 rebounds playoff times the time to join because star players mean more on prize picks keep an eye out for the starred players on the board and you could receive a 10 percent payout boost if they're in your winning lineup so right now download the prize picks app and use the code ham50 for a first deposit match of up to hundred dollars prize picks code ham 50 first deposit match up to 100 bucks prize
3: picks pick more pick less
2: it's that easy
3: what's up everybody it's your old friend john middlecoff i'm here to tell you about our friends at game time here's what i need you to do go to your smartphone download a little app called game time baseball season's in full swing oracle park been there a million times never doesn't live up to the hype go get yourself some Garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app, your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M. Save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code ham, save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code.
2: Uh, oh, here's a message. Instagram. This isn't a mailbag, but I got this uh, DM on IG. You can uh, find me. Guy Haberman on Instagram. Uh, this was from Jake. Jake says, hey, guy, I know you're super busy. But I'm a coping Niners fan, and I need to ask the question. Why do you think in the Lynch-Shanahan era, they failed to address special teams and offensive line? I don't think Kyle's ever had a top 10 to 15 special teams unit. And aside from Staley and Williams, the offensive lines have been mid at best. I think it's because he thinks he can manipulate the offensive line. And I don't think he cares much about special teams. (laughs) You know, they finally found the right recipe uh, in the last few weeks with special teams kick coverage, which is kick it out of the end zone. Jake Moody becomes more valuable to you when you just have him kick it out of the end zone every time. Every time every single time. And I don't know the exact stat because I haven't I didn't log it. I'm trying to remember since he got asked in the Packer game after the Packer game about kicking it short. Kyle Shanahan got asked, "I think they've just kicked it through the end zone every time." Could be wrong. If you guys remember, did they kick it short at all against Detroit? Kick it short at all in the Super Bowl? The Super Bowl was just a an absolute blast fest on kickoff between those two kickers. Uh, all right, let's get to some of uh, some of your uh, some of your questions here from the uh, from the stream, Andrew. What do you think of the rumor of Kyle still pursuing Cousins? Well, Kirk Cousins is hurt. Um, you know, if he hadn't been hurt, I still don't think he would be a be a pursuit for the Forty Nineers. Uh, who knows when he'll be back, how healthy he'll be when he returns? Would the Niners sign him cheap to be a backup quarterback because he's hurt and nobody else wants him? I mean maybe that would be a little that if if that happened that'd be a pretty interesting little uh little situation. You know, like a basically like a rehab quarterback and would he take basically no money cuz he would have to? But I don't expect it. Uh Dale says Chicago is where careers go to die. Yeah, it's a bad situation again. It feels like at least in Chicago. Um Kid Icarus with a comment. Lombardi it's David Lombardi uh, thinks we are wrong for saying they should have run it more. I don't know. They ran the ball once in the third quarter. Hence the punts. I, I actually, I think the Kyle abandoned the run side of you, you people who are in the Kyle abandoned the run category. I don't think that's what happened. And I said it at the time I would have liked another first down run. You know, they three out of their first four possessions in the, uh, in the second half. They threw the ball on first down, including after the interception where uh, Steve Spagnuolo brought his unpracticed blitz with Leo Chenal and the Niners. But the Niners made mistakes. They had penalties. They put themselves in passing situations. They didn't have that many uh, snaps to try and establish the run. They were getting killed running the ball early by the Chiefs defense. So, uh, you know, yeah. In hindsight, would I have liked another run in there? I would have, if we can hindsight Call plays, which you don't get to do. I would have loved a run on first down after the interception, but um, I don't think he abandoned the run. I don't think he abandoned the run. Depeche, guy, guy, please know. Here we, oh, this is a respect. This so Depeche is reacting here to Rex Ryan. Here, here would be the dream team. Belichick is DC, Kyle is OC, Tony Dungy is head coach. We need a real head coach. Kyle has the schemes. But has not demonstrated a strategic mind. All right. Well, Tony Dungy is a pro football Hall of Famer and a Super Bowl winning head coach. I would take Kyle Shanahan over Tony Dungy. I think Kyle Shanahan's a better head coach than Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy's a Hall of Famer and a Super Bowl winner. So I I don't know if that's a hot take or if that's out on some limb. Um, I, I've no one's ever had that conversation before. Compare Tony Dungy and Kyle Shanahan that I know of. So I'm not sure that uh, – I don't know. I don't know what people's reaction to that would be. I, I prefer – I like those type of topics where I don't know ahead of time what the reaction would be to that. But um, I don't think it's – yeah, especially it's – not, it's not a real conversation. I appreciate the hypothetical, but I would take Kyle Shanahan over Tony Dungy, and I wouldn't even think about it for half a second. Alien with a super chat, love your coverage of the Niners. What's the plan for content until next season? Mm-mm-mm. Good question, Alien. Well, let's see. It is a Tuesday after the Super Bowl. Monday after the Super Bowl, I was live Monday morning. Here we are Tuesday, and I'm live Tuesday morning. And um, you guys watched it on Monday, and uh, you're watch you're watching it today. I think I think it'll do a good number today based on the early returns. So as long as you're watching it. I'm going to keep doing it. That's the plan right now. Um, That's, uh, you know, that's, that's not, um, there's not a contract that says that, but if you keep watching it and I can keep putting it on the podcast feed and monetizing it and uh, trying to grow it and uh, it grows when you like it and when you subscribe to it on the YouTube and when you share it, when you podcast, check it out, then I'm going to keep doing it. So Uh, That's the that's the most direct answer I can give you Uh, what that looks like. I'm not exactly sure, but uh, we started really kind of hammering daily uh, YouTube uh, stuff back last spring and um, it was beneficial. And so I'll keep that going. But it is, you know, it's contingent on people consuming it. So when you share it, I appreciate that very much because it gives me an incentive when more people watch it, if it's not you know, because it's trending in the right direction. Um, but I, we got to keep that trend up. So I'm going to keep trying to do good stuff and um, appreciate uh, when you guys consume it. I don't expect anybody to watch it or consume it just because I told you to. So, you know, there's an onus on me to do something that you like and uh, you help out when, you know, when you share it and do that sort of thing. So uh, thanks to all, all of you that do that. Thank you. And um, uh, you are enough, but you are not enough. I need more. You need more to keep it going. So let's keep it going. But that's the plan right now. I'm enjoying it. Uh, NorCal Danny Muzi. 50 spot. 50 bucks. Super chat. Thank you. Uh, very much. That's very cool of you. I'll be 32 in April. And when the Giants lost in 2 as a kid, I was sad. But they won three championships. But in 10 years, the Niners are 0-3 in bowls. Where are you located, guy? I'm in the suburbs of SAC. What's the Niners' priorities? this offseason uh it's this is this is a man recovering this is the message of a man who is uh recovering right now so i i appreciate that uh i'm in the bay area i'm in the east bay now used to lived in the city for um uh about a decade in san francisco uh davis california that's where my parents are that's where i went to high school that's that's home went to Fresno State for college and moved up to the Bay Area in 2012 uh, to do local radio and the Oakland A's pre- and post-game show. Um, so, uh, m- yeah, moved out to the East Bay. Still go back to the city quite a bit. Get up to the SAC area frequently. My sister lives there. One of my sisters lives there. And, um, yeah, going down to San Diego this weekend just uh, for fun. My wife's best friend lives down there. So uh, that's not what you asked, but I'm, uh, well, we're sharing. So I'll share. Um, let's see. What are the Niners' priorities this offseason? You know, I'm gonna. W- one of the things at the top of the to-do list is to is to uh, kind of dive into doing. You know, some that'll be some of the content It's like what comes up next. But they definitely need some. They need a pass rusher. They, they there's a few decisions they got to make with guys on their roster. You can't complain too much about drafting when you got your starting quarterback with the last pick of the draft. But Drake Jackson in two years not being the opposite pass rusher or Nick Bosa hurts. Danny Gray and Ronnie Bell both not looking like they are the Juwan Jennings or Brandon Ayuk or Debo Sam, just one of them replacements, that hurts. I would love to see them get a speedy receiver. I think the reason they don't hit deep balls is not because of Purdy's arm. It's because they don't have receivers that separate down the field. I think throwing the ball deep to Debo a couple of times, we saw that. I've been talking about that since camp. But how do you fit that person in? You know, It's hard to make that a priority if you've got the talent they have around them. You have a hard enough time getting the, the ball more than three times. So having a guy in there for a gadget deep ball, you know. Now, will Ronnie Bell develop? Maybe. Juwan Jennings didn't play his rookie year and eventually developed into a critical, critical, critical part of the team. So maybe. But I would say right now, it's not trending. It's not trending that way. And with Danny Gray, it's definitely not trending that way. But I think they got to get a pass. They got to find the pass rusher opposite Bosa. They got to solidify the inside of their line. They're going to need another linebacker now. And maybe they just have that internally because they think, well, we'll wait and see Greenlaw, maybe November, right? This is a, an Achilles. We have not seen a timeline yet from them, but this is generally. You know, a nine-month injury, and even then, when you come back cleared to play, does not mean back. It might be twenty twenty-five, nearly thirty years old, when Dre Greenlaw is back. I think, I think Greenlaw is twenty-eight, right? So you you need another linebacker. He's twenty. Oh no, okay, he's twenty-six. He turns twenty-seven in May, so he'll play next year at twenty-seven. So you know, you he'll. It'll be tight. We'll see. 28 years old when he's maybe fully back. A long way to go there for Dre. But um, you get Hufunga back. That's good. I feel pretty good about corner with Ward and D'Amador Lenore. But I think you got to start with the pass rush opposite Bosa, the other edge, and interior offensive line play. You know, the interior offensive line play is critical for everybody always. Pressure up the gut. It's what creates problems for quarterbacks. But as I've said a few times, watching Brock every throw of his career multiple times, um, and thank you for the uh, for the uh, chat there, Norkel, Danny, um, his height is a bigger factor than his arm. And his arm strength or his lack of an lead arm becomes a factor because of his height. And I think where you see it regularly every game, uh, once or twice, is when – uh, and we saw it in the Super Bowl. And we just you see it every game. And whatever. I mean, he works around it. It is some guys don't see the field uh because they can't process. That's yeah, they could be big and strong, but they don't process. That's not Brock's issue, right? Brock's elite at that, elite at that. Um, but once or twice a game, he'll throw a ball that you think got tipped and it didn't. When some when people are around him, his follow through instead of being above their arms is like into people's midsections or into people's shoulders or into people's helmets and you know that type of height around him especially up the middle really creates really difficult throws for him and his arm in and of itself when he is flat-footed and surrounded generally his arm in and of itself is not enough but that's where his arm is not strong enough so when people say like oh you know i People get offended by it. I think he's a pretty damn good player, but let's not act like there aren't challenges here. There are, there definitely are. And you've got to mitigate those challenges. And one of them is pressure doesn't bother him mentally. Like it can bother some guys. He doesn't panic, but it does create problems for him. Um, that it wouldn't create for a taller quarterback with a bigger arm. So the inside of the line is you could say that for any team is critical, but I think it's particularly critical for the Niners this uh this off season, a rotation at guard is just how long is that sustainable? Dale with a super chat. We lost because we didn't score on their turnover, and they did ours. Let's stop the over analysis. We win. Uh, we win. We get any points from their forty-four. So annoying. I was listening to Ethan Strauss's last article uh, from his Substack, House of Strauss. Because uh, I, I didn't think I'd listen to seven-minute articles. I figured I'd rather read them, but then I did it yesterday. It was really I enjoyed it. Um, and, uh, one thing he said was winning is more fun, but losing is more interesting. I thought it was a great line. I think there's some truth to it. You know, when you lose, you think about all the missed opportunities. When you win, you don't think about the missed opportunities. You think about all the little things that went right and, um, how right you were and how you predicted this. And we're ready for that. And when you lose, we don't talk about all the things you got, right. We talk about the things you got wrong, but, this is part of it. Like how do you prepare for a moment when there's going to be a million moments, right? The Super Bowl is not one moment, it's a million little moments, and any one of those million little moments going the right way could be the difference or going the wrong way could be the difference. Or maybe it's five of those moments, right? We can we could get 10 people together, or as many people will watch this video, we could all get together in a room and we could each have there could be 50 different moments that we say that's the moment. Pick up a third and 4. Yeah, score from the 44, sure. It's a long way to go. To me, the two biggest moments of the game, third down and four at the two-minute warning, Trent McDuffie blitzes, deflects the ball, the 49ers kick a field goal to take the lead. Third and four in overtime, Chris Jones, they blitz. Chris Jones gets unblocked because of a mistake. Niners throw it incomplete. Brock throws it incomplete. They kick the field goal, take the lead. Both those times, touchdowns or first downs in the case of the two-minute warning play might have ended the game. End of the game. One on the Super Bowl. Now, they were tied at the two-minute warning, so you still had to go score. But those are the plays I point to. And I got no problem overanalyzing because that's what they're doing. What are we doing if we're not enjoying every little moment? I find every little moment so juicy. Hey, that was the morning pod. Now here's the midday pod from Tuesday with John. Let's hit it.
3: What are you grinning about? I saw uh this clip of like Bill Simmons walking. He made a pretty good point. That <sighs> the 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 gap. Where was between, this? Uh I just walking like on a walk. But I mean is this Instagram or? Yeah, Instagram, maybe uh, YouTube short. You know, it's okay. just I saw it on—I don't I'll know where it. I saw it—but yeah. I think he posts on everything. Of like being a hero and a goat in big games as a quarterback is a play or two. You know, Mahomes—he had so much equity. Whether he won or lost that game, the way he was playing, no one is thinking anything differently of the guy. Like, part of the reason, like, I've defended Josh Allen, like, how could anyone who is of a certain age and watch football long enough not watch him play in big games in these playoff games and just go, holy fuck. Yeah, he might not be Mahomes, but who else in the league would I rather have than that guy? The guy that just won the MVP? Not a soul in football would take, and I would include the Ravens, would want Lamar. And I like Lamar Jackson. Like, he's a good player. But, like, watch that playoff game against the Chiefs. And watch Josh Allen against the Chiefs multiple times. And Purdy, he's just going to continue to be polarizing. We talked about that. But, like, what if somehow they just block Chris Jones one or two times on some of those plays and it hits? And that touchdown is the difference in the game. Right? You watched that last clip. I I saw it at the gym this morning. He had to zero. I I didn't realize how fast Jones got on him. But it was just like, if that's Mahomes. There there were plays against Mahomes where he was – Doa, right now he he was kind of usually kind of over a tackle not in the middle so he could kind of run away but still like some uh what, what was it called what's it called a uh, intentional grounding type he just fucked right and he's these guys chase him for his life Purdy, when you're when they're rushing up the middle you got no shot what if they had just blocked him a little bit and he could just see brandon Ayuk, right and just make a Bertrands pass or kittle or whatever yeah, or the debo play down the right side Right, and he just didn't yeah. have any time. And I think I, I saw I saw Feliciano claims he was hungover and not thinking straight, but called uh, Colton McKivitt's a bitch, and he was just no, no, smoked. no. Was that it? He said, "If the guy who's supposed to make the block makes the block,
2: it's fine." People were getting on McKivitt's. Burford's like, "Hey, bro, I didn't wake up. You're blasting me." And then, and then he came. Bur, uh, Feliciano came back was like, look, "I wasn't trying to blast you. I just..." I was being a bitch. I'm sorry. I was hung over. Oh, he called I himself didn't... a bitch. Yeah, yeah, he called himself a bitch. Because he's like, I, I I think he was just upset trying to explain the play to somebody. The dude that's supposed to make the block didn't make the block. That's what he's saying. But that dude is his teammate, Spencer Burford. I I was oh, Burford. Guys, now, like like, it was Burford. I Jeff Schwartz came on yesterday with me and broke it down and like did a whole breakdown of it. And then the, uh, Burford tweeted it. He's like, it wasn't on Colton. That was
3: on me. Uh, oh, oh, okay. That's why. Was, that, that's why I saw McKivitz's name. He's claiming it's everyone's going after McKivitz. Kivitz stayed out name. of it. They're coming to gotcha. his defense. Yeah, but fans These blame McKivitz.
2: Yeah, don't get on Twitter the day after the. You know, just for the players, I would say stay off social for a couple of days. Uh, it's a, it's, it's quite a scene out there. Um, but uh, you know, Schwartz's point was it was actually kind of the wrong. I want to get. I want to address what you said. Schwartz's thing was it was kind of the wrong – they just had the wrong look for the protection they were in. They didn't have the right look. And also maybe his thing was like, you probably never run this against that look, you know, and you've got a guy who's in and out of the lineup at right guard. My thing is you're right. It does come down to one play or two plays. I actually woke up this morning prepared to defend Steve Wilkes a little bit, even though I think he'll be gone as their defensive coordinator. And
3: you still a, think part that? of the reason is – huh? You still think that? Defend him? Or that i hold be gone? No, no. You still think that Steve Wilkes will not be the defensive coordinator within the next seven, ten days?
2: Yeah, John. I just think there's so much smoke on that. Even though there's no talk about it, from beginning to end, Kyle looked disjointed with him. You know, we forget. We didn't talk about this the other day. The reason he came down
3: to the field is because Kyle called him out in a press conference. Yeah. So they just – they clearly have a different – Philosophy. Because their they're star player team captain was like, it's not I can't communicate with the guy up there, right? So I, I do still think that.
2: And I just feel like there's a lot of good defensive coaches out there right now if you're willing to pay them. But before we get to that, let me just say this. William. The the one thing I would defend Steve on is it's, he has better talent to blitz with, right? He's blitzing with Trent McDuffie, second-round pick, right? Steve Oaks blitzing with Logan Ryan, was on a cruise two months ago. So I do think just fundamentally when he's bringing extra pressure, he's now when he's bringing great, Gr- Greenlaw, green law, a different story. But I think the biggest thing is blitzing Patrick Mahomes is just fundamentally different than blit- blitzing Brock Purdy. I'm not talking about athleticism. I'm talking about, it is harder to pressure Patrick Mahomes and get him to mess up the protection or make a mistake than it is with Brock. Cause it's going to be harder to do it to Patrick than probably anybody else in the league. And I don't think it's an accident that on the two third and fours, they brought pressure and the Niners didn't handle the pressure properly. Why? Well, the coach had the wrong play called for the pressure and the quarterback didn't see what Steve Spagnuolo was about to do do to him. I said, Steve Spagnuolo has been coaching in the NFL since Brock, literally the same year Brock was born. So hopefully Brock comes back better because Brock has to, for this team to win a Super Bowl. Brock's not going to get taller. His arm's not going to get stronger. He should get smarter. And for them to win the Super Bowl, Brock has to be able to correct Kyle Shanahan's mistake, to account for the fact that they're not getting the look that they thought they were going to get. And he's got to make sure Spencer Burford's on the right page. Like, that is going to be an essential part of his job. Because that's what every every great quarterback has to do.
3: Well, I saw, I, I watched some of the Schwartz. And he said, like, obviously, I don't know Shanahan's offense, but I think it's pretty fair to say that when the protection gets called, he's not allowed to change it, and whether he could or could not. And this is the thing. Like, Wilkes is not of the pie chart. Like, Kyle bears blame. You are calling protections that this fucking guy – who now is the most accomplished defensive coordinator ever. And it'll be, <clears throat> it feels a little like Brady. Like it's still almost impossible for Mahomes ever to catch him. How is a coordinator ever going to win four championships again? It's never going to happen because he he will just get hired. It's just impossible. It's just, it's a very outlier situation. Spagnola was calling things that he knew exactly what they were doing. And so it would part like the Red Sea, because he knew where all the guys were going, right? He knew who had who. So Brock was a sitting duck. And that on that play and on other plays, and that's where Jeff was like, Patrick knows where everything's coming and has the freedom. Now, you're also comparing Michael Jordan to a second-year guy, right? So this is my issue with Kyle's play calling on... Now, he doesn't have these plays, but on some of the best plays for Patrick Mahomes, it got him on the move. Because a lot like Purdy, he can move. So you don't want to be a sitting duck. Now, the Niners were pressuring him through their defensive linemen, and they were pressuring him through pressure, if not Chris Jones, through blitzes. But they never got Brock just like, let's do a sprint to the right and do two things, get you moving away from a pressure, and get you out where you can see everything. I don't know, because that's where a lot of your big plays have come in this game and throughout the season. And they refused. And it's one thing, well, it's like not Kyle's MO beside the play-action rollouts. I'm sorry, you can't institute a couple plays like that? And we talked about this the other night. It's just like that's... He bears responsibility for a guy that's clearly smart enough and has the athleticism to move and never got him on the move. Because you just leave him as a sitting duck. He's not Peyton Manning. He can't fucking see when there are three guys in his face. It's hard for Peyton Manning when he's getting pressure, but he can see. He's six inches or Brady, right, or Luck or Phillip Rivers. He he gets overwhelmed and he just can't see. It's Just basic math. He gets. I don't think it's mentally overwhelmed. He gets literally physically overwhelmed. Right now, I understand from Kyle that
2: Stam- he can't follow through on throws. It happens two or three times a game.
3: Yeah, and it's the it's DOA, and the ball just which is fine. That is part of his challenge, and he's going to have to overcome that by Kyle's going to have to give him more power at the line of scrimmage, slash call some plays to get him moving in a non tied to the run movement. And I, I like listen, Cousins at the time, the way the version that the Niners got beat by him, he was playing like a top five player at that position. Like that game, I mean. That's as good of a game as you're going to see throughout the season. So I get when you're playing an elite quarterback, whether he can move or not, it's crazy to call Kirk Cousins elite. But in that individual game, it's one of his great games of all time, he's playing like an elite guy. You start blitzing him. He's getting rid of the ball. Like he, he's at a different level mentally 12 years, 15 years in than Brock Purdy. He was in the peak of his powers. Even he, I saw he said it during Super Bowl week. He's like the shitty part about me getting injured. is like, I, I never felt better about playing the position and it showed the way he was playing so when you start blitzing a guy that is dialed and who's good like cousins that version is like a pro bowl level guy and you get smoked and this is the combination of the coverage is being off now in fairness it's not his fault that like because of injuries logan ryan's out there yeah but those plays became pretty easy for andy to decipher so listen they're both like kyle and wilkes We're getting taken it. We're getting out schemed as the game was going on, right? Out schemed. Now the Niners are going to have some limitations. Debo's not getting open very easily on these guys. Clearly, like they were all over. Ayuk's the only guy because he's a great route runner who's getting open, but Purdy's getting fucking smashed. So he doesn't. You know, Ayuk takes a little longer if you're running longer breaking routes. But I I get back to beside all that bullshit. I think the biggest letdown. Talking to some people, I might have talked to the analytical guy on the other side who got a lot of – Andy gave him a lot of credit. And simply, obviously, they had worked on overtime going back to the training camp, which I would imagine – I was thinking every team in the league will have a playoff overtime in training camp. But like if you're the some of the shitty teams, like let's just walk before we run. Every playoff level team, I I, I would say 10 to 15 teams – Clearly, the Chiefs will do it. But I, I mean, you know, the Bengals, the Ravens, the Niners, the Cowboys, the Eagles, any team worth their salt that's thinking we're going to the playoffs is going to just do a playoff level period in training camp practice. I think you they're agree all going to
2: do it. Well, I think they're all going to do it. And and the guys that are on the shitty teams will be like,
3: because I believe in you men so much. Let's exactly. Do playoff it, OT. I would argue it's a waste of time for some, but the Niners 100% are going to do it. Yeah. My guy said that there's not necessarily a black and white way to do it, given depending on who your team is. Like if it's Josh Allen versus Mahomes, you're better off taking a second. Like if they're two elite quarterbacks. I felt at the time, like putting that pressure on Purdy to have to score a touchdown after they had scored a touchdown, I understood that. I do think you have to play to win though. And you got to, like, I I think their big regret is they should have had two plays. Right, Just run a normal play to try to gain either a first down. We don't need to, because they were trying to kind of get an end zone shot or definitely like a longer first down. Mm-hmm. They got to play for a touchdown. Because even if you pin them, you pin them there at the four or five yard line and a sudden death. All of a sudden, you know, it's like, I think if he could redo it, you don't kick a field goal there, you play for the touchdown.
2: Even knowing that the, even knowing now that the Chiefs are going to go for two, had they scored? Now, maybe they use their two point play on the touchdown play
3: right? Maybe you go for two, then two. Yeah, maybe you go for two, then two or not, but I, I think you have. I mean, to no, play. I'm just I, saying you don't score the touchdown and go for two with the ball first, right?
2: No, but but like I the Chiefs you play saying the they were going to go for two. They were prepared to go for
3: two, right? Had the Niners scored a touchdown first. I think one thing when it's three points instead of seven, there was a little less pressure on like, we know our field goal kicker can hit it from 60 yards. It feels like I'm no field goal kicker master here. He's got to be a top three or four guy in the league, and definitely beside Justin Tucker, it feels like Butker would be a guy that you would trust the most. Like if I told you field goal on the line to win the Super Bowl, I I, I would Butker. have to imagine Butker would be two, and you could argue he's one because he's been in so many of these. Like Tucker never has. He it. just feels like automatic is when they are three, like we know we can get 40, 50 yards, but getting a touchdown is difficult, right? They had to hit a couple sweet plays, but they were getting a field goal, right? So if you get a touchdown, it just puts dramatically more pressure on just the way you're running offense. Even though, as everyone has said, they're getting four plays to get 10 yards, which I I understand. Uh, I I do think you look at that a lot differently with Patrick Mahomes than even you do Brock Purdy, right? And that's Brock had had a, fantastic game relative to what i imagined he was getting. like he was good but it was still the pressure they were getting it, it was it would have been difficult because even if they got four plays let's say they were down seven and their version of how the drive started like they had kicked off and it started it was third and 13 like it it, it unwrapped they were in a lot of weird spots fast it easily could have happened so yeah you got four plays to get four yards and it's or 10 yards and it's third and 10 all of a sudden you're like oh fuck <laughs> it sounds Without great the everyone keeps saying that it sounds so easy it's not Without
2: the holding, it looks even worse.
3: Here's the, the other reality holding on the Chiefs. Yeah, which you know, Kyle could argue like he was wide open I was holding. Yeah, yeah, and he was wide open. He would have been wide open, right? If he doesn't, Juwan Jennings runs a great route. But I, I think you get back to one elephant in the room with this team, and we were told this by the Chiefs guy. It feels like the Ravens get anointed as the best defense and probably start to finish. They were fucking fantastic. The Chiefs weren't far behind them and their advantage of being able to cover in a league that, you know, most teams that are good have a bunch of wide receivers. Well, they can just cover you. And then I don't know their coach is like, feels like the greatest blitz dialer upper of all time. And they had a guy, Chris Jones, who for whatever reason, Greg Papa thinks is a dog. It's like, bro, I. Seen him in enough big games to know this is it's in fucking sane. Yeah, he maybe he doesn't play as hard as Nick Bosa, but he's clearly an all time elite talent. I mean, he's six five, three hundred pounds. a lot he, of
2: gasoline to get that engine. Right? Hell he's yeah, a big like, big
3: ass dude. As Lewis Riddick used to teach me when I worked with him, like you can't expect enormous players to have full gas all the time. Like that's unfair. Like yeah, Deshaun doesn't get tired. Ayuk doesn't get tired. Chris Jones gets tired. Trent gets gas. Like it's. They, they're carrying a little more. Bosa luggage. comes off. I mean, you got You come off the field like Bosa did. Yeah. Bosa did on the first – I think the first possession he had to come off. But we this always, notion – but, like, I bet if we broke down Chris Jones' season, like, yeah, he takes a lot of plays off. He takes a lot of plays on, and when he turns it on, he's a top probably – I don't know, non top 10 non-quarterback in the NFL. I mean, it feels like after watching
2: the Super Bowl recency bias, I'd take him best defensive player in the league.
3: I'd say the two most dominant players on the field, I mean, Bosa Bosa and him were just, I mean, that's like $300 million worth of talent. One big difference, though, is their corners are worth a lot, too, where you say, Ward's solid, but you could just avoid them. (laughs) And, And they did. They went after the safeties in big spots. Obviously, the moment Greenlaw's not there, they started attacking the backup linebackers, who I thought did a pretty, you know, solid effort for backup linebackers.
2: I saw a stat that they were nine of
3: nine on Oren Burks, but that feels high. Nine of nine. Now I say it out loud. It seems crazy. Well, Kelsey, I mean, he just, he's not going to be up now, but it's Greenlaw. I mean, yeah.
2: How about uh, somebody tweeted, this was a good tweet. I saw yesterday. They said, I, I, knowing now that not all the Niners knew the overtime rules, I wish they'd scored just to see them celebrate winning the Super Bowl When the game wasn't actually over.
3: Um, In fairness, the overtime funny, rules, I don't, the, the way they the way they explained them, the way Romo was talking, we've never seen them. They, they were a little confusing, but it doesn't matter what we – like it's – imagine Belichick, who everyone thinks sucks now. It is on the coach to really go over the detail just so everyone's on the same page. And I understand like, okay, Kyle knew him. His logic is so stupid, right, to get the ball back the third time. Like what, what are you trying to play, like seven quarters of football here? <laughs> what, what what are we talking about that's what the analytics guys told him and what it i feel like the analytics feels guys like he's like, making that up a little doesn't it uh
2: no i don't think so i mean i don't think he's straight blaming them he's just saying like we talked it through i get it because then he's saying we get the first what he's saying is we get the ball first in sudden death in theory right in theory, but you're going up against Mahomes and you're going up against Andy, who turns out they're treating their second possession as if it's sudden death. But sudden it kind of is the, the moment score.
3: you kick a field goal,
2: right? Because if they yeah. score a touchdown, no, it is done. For sure. I don't think ultimately, like, it changes anything for the players not knowing. Like, I don't think it changed the Niners' perspective, any of those guys that didn't know. But uh, I mean, unless Armstead had, like, started to untie his shoes and had to run back out for defense. I don't know. But or juice. Um, but I do think there's something to like visually understanding the situation you're walking into, having imagined the situation you're walking into, being fully prepared, you're not caught off guard, you're not surprised, your coach has told you this is coming, this is how we're gonna handle it. Whether you agree with that or not, you just can't deny one coach told his players and one coach did not. And it's better to tell your players the rules of overtime.
3: It wasn't even... It's unlike Kyle, because I think he's pretty prepared. It wasn't even that they went over it to start the season. Now, in fairness, one thing that I was told from a Chiefs guy who was around in Philly, we were also the same team that we once tied a game in Philly in 2008, which might have been against the Raiders, where Donovan McNabb said after the game, I didn't know you could tie the game. Like, wait, you could I tie in the that. NFL? So they had had experience with with something that I would imagine at the time Andy got crushed for that, where your starting quarterback, who at the time was a five or six time pro bowler and had been, I mean, one of the better players in the league for five or six years is just admitting like he doesn't know the rules and and he's not alone, right? There, there are players in the NFL who don't know the rules. Like I, I heard Michael Lombardi say on his podcast that whenever, the draft ends and you do rookie mini camp, one thing you do immediately and then you redo it again in training camp is just hammer home the rules to those guys. Cause like Julio Jones once admit, I don't watch football like in college, you're down, you're down in the NFL. You can keep running. Right. I mean, there are just little tiny rules in the pros that are different from college. And one thing that the chiefs who said that they went over in training camp, then part of that thing to go for two Text from someone with the Chiefs. We had a team meeting before the wild card game to reiterate it and hammer it home. Wow! So they had had a mindset throughout, knowing that the rules had changed heading into the playoffs. But but the big difference, like the regular season rules, are if you get the
2: ball first and kick a field goal, the other team still gets the ball, right?
3: Uh, like you can't win overtime on a kick in regulation anymore with the first possession. Now I'm confused. I, I thought there's different rules in the postseason than there is in the preseason. Because what the hell? Would there be the there are, the but what I'm saying is like, I
2: think the postseason but then what's the difference? is the postseason is there's just a second overtime. We start over in, after the first overtime ends. Oh yeah, you can't. That's die. why Romo kept saying this is a this is this is like a whole new game, right? NFL regular season, you get the ball first, kick a field goal, game's not over. It used to be, but then yeah, like three then, years but ago, but you changed. could
3: kick a field goal too, and you would ultimately tie. You can, obviously you can't tie in a playoff or a Super Bowl game. Yeah, I get you Right, right. And then you, and then, and then it keeps going. And then next score wins in the regular season. I,
0: I, but I
2: this agree. is like the clock was running out. It would not have ended the overtime and gone to a second OT. They would have just flipped sides and they would have gone. The Chiefs would have taken it down to the two yard line for second down and goal.
3: But right. no niner player thought that you could end on a tie in the Super Bowl, right? They they know that. Someone has to win.
2: Yeah, I'm end. just saying, I don't even know how much it really mattered ultimately that they didn't know how it was going to play out in the next quote-unquote the second quarter of overtime. Um it is kind of crazy that the NFL, which is the thing everybody watches, even Romo's like it. I remember he's like right before the snap he's like, I remember, this is not the end of overtime. This is just the end of a quarter. This is like a whole new game." All right, Jim, go ahead.
3: When he said it was the timeout thing, crazy. I- I totally disagree. Like you can call a timeout whenever you need to call a timeout because they can't run out the clock on you in a situation. It's going to end on a score in some form or fashion, right? Yeah. So if you once, needed to call there have been two possessions, it is ending on a score. But I'm saying if you needed to call a timeout to not cost yourself five yards on a third and five, I have no problem doing it on your first possession. Do you agree with that? For sure. Yeah. You you yeah. And then I'd argue three timeouts is probably too much. I think if you just you gave me them two each.
2: Yeah, I, I would have taken the timeout before the Chiefs first and goal. And then the, the other difference being if you score yeah, a touchdown on the first possession in the regular overtime, in the regular season, ends. you win the game. Yeah. Right. Uh,
3: which is not the case in, in the playoffs. Which and was the case, the that. reason that... Remember, the guy that led the charge to change the overtime rules in the playoffs was Andy Reid, and his team benefited from it because the Josh Allen got fucked. Obviously, yeah. the Bills also agreed with him, but he, he's he been around long enough. It's easy to be on the other side of the draw. You shouldn't be able, because in that final, remember the 13 yard and five seconds or, what, or 13 seconds and 50 yards or whatever they got to tie the game, the Chiefs got the ball and they scored a touchdown. The Bills never got it again. So he was a big proponent in changing the rule that a touchdown shouldn't end the game in a playoff situation. Because to get to overtime in a playoff game, both teams deserve a shot, right? It's too much on the line. Absolutely.
2: Also, if you got Mahomes, you also know I've got the advantage, right?
3: But in a day like and age, you get the ball
2: first. I get the ball to Mahomes. If I get the ball first, I score, and then I'm going to get the third possession with Mahomes, and I'm going to score again.
3: I think where it's fair to be critical of Kyle on the overtime situation is everything he does. He has cameras in all these meeting rooms. He's meeting with the defense. Con- like details are a huge part of their operation. Just like details define the Patriot dynasty and now feel like they're defining this Chiefs dynasty. Especially that that this season. Like they just, they buckled down because their margin was much slimmer this year than it has been in years past. And this is a detail that there's no he'll never admit it because that is not his thing. <laughs> I, I do not expect whenever he talks to be like, I, I wish. We should have had a period in practice. We should have had a team meeting over it. I don't expect him to say that, but he does because that's what coaches like. Andy went through this once upon a time when mm-hmm. he was similar age, where just a little detail that, like you said, did Donovan not knowing the tie impact his play? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he was a little less urgency. Who knows? Maybe what? Maybe if you rewatched it, they were really moving fast and going tempo and they just went three and out in that game. But there's no chance Kyle doesn't regret going over it at minimum even if you'd overlooked it before the super bowl yeah it, it just hurts. here's our logic so everyone's on the same page everyone knows i i think this for a lot
2: of high achievers john and obviously public shame like getting somebody to embarrass you publicly is a motivator but i think a lot of high achievers are more motivated by their own like if Colin made the mistake and nobody else knew about it and the Niners won, I think he would still – inter. he wouldn't tell everybody, but internally he'd be like, oh, fuck, I got away with one. I think that's how – high achievers, they don't need the external pressure to kind of embarrass them Totally. in that type of situation. they I think it catches you, knocks the wind out of you when you go, oh, my God, I was not as prepared as the other guy, and I pride myself on being prepared but I let yeah. that one through the cracks. You know, I think that's eye-opening. Um, you got to do a Gottlieb hit in a couple minutes. So I do want to get a couple minutes out of this, which is, do you think Jed York, we talked about this the other day, but Jed, money, defensive coordinator, trying to win a Super Bowl, what it would cost to get Bill. What You know, Vrabel's the other guy, John, who, go back and look, the last two times the Titans have played the Chiefs, Vrabel has, Mahomes has been, like a sixty percent passer, Mahomes has one touchdown, two interceptions, sacked eight times in his last two games against the Titans. So Vrabel's another guy, um, bigger than Kyle, though, so could work against him. But
3: would they take Vrabel or Belichick over Steve Wilkes? Of course. Like I, I, we're stating the obvious. I do wonder if either guy, you'd basically be signing him for one season, and they yeah. would not come cheap. Which doesn't matter. I mean, it's not. This isn't a salary cap position. It's just could you convince them to do this? You could argue Vrabel needs it less. He's still younger. He could just kind of chill this year. You you could convince me of a guy that's hasn't missed a training camp in the pros since 1975, and especially his. I mean, it's been well documented his respect for the family, starting with Mike. It was like one of his close friends in the league to then Kyle, which he clearly respects a lot, because uh, I would rather have Bill. Because I, 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 You agree, if you get one of these, it's a one-year contract. So you're just kind of hiring a, a mercenary to come help you out, and you know he's going to leave, which is fine. And hopefully uh, you've got, like, maybe you can get your next guy in the building to learn for a year. Yeah, because let's face evening, it, when they hired you know, Steve Wilkes, they were, they were hoping to keep doubling down on, on the picks, which... They
2: were hoping more. that... Yeah. I mean, maybe it, I, it, it was still a little bit of a stretch that Steve was about to become a head coach at minimum.
3: I think you're hoping for your Steve Spagnolo, right? I don't, I, I don't think in a year, I just mean over time, yeah. right? He had maybe. been a guy who'd been, he coached a year disaster in Arizona, then was an in interim had some success, almost got the Panther job. It felt like, or was in the mix to keep, keep that gig that they thought like, he's be solid for a couple years, get that and move him out. Um, And I don't want to say it backfired because he wasn't terrible. It just, it was off. And I, I think part of the thing is when you really look at his resume, like, who were you buying? You know, who were you, what were you getting? Like you weren't getting a guy like Andy knew what he was getting. he had worked with him before he had coached against him because he, he left Andy as a position coach to go to the giants, to be the coordinator. And obviously they've been friends for obviously a long, long time. And, you know, he he wasn't an outsider. And this it does feel like the first coach that Kyle put in a prominent role. I don't count special teams because I just I don't, but the offense has just been littered with the Kubiaks, the Slowicks, the LaFleurs, the McD like the people he knows really even Greasy, he needed a quarterback coach. What'd he do? Hire the dude that played for his dad, that he had coached as a quality control guy, that I'm sure is one of the rare guys in the quote unquote media that he texts with constantly. You know, so he does not go out of no history here, and he did. And that's obviously what Brady or, excuse me, Belichick or Vrabel would be. I mean, I I would just beg Belichick. I don't know if he would, you know, both those guys, especially Bill, would he move to San Jose for a year? I I don't know. I mean, obviously, I I don't expect it to happen. I I do think, I, I think Kyle called him a month ago. Once it was clear, like you know, there's no lock. He's getting a head coaching job. If you'd be naive to think that they haven't had contact, a long time think ago. Of That's Kyle's job, Brady. Yep. And Lynch, the, I, I don't. The think Vrabel thing. Vrabel wasn't a great defensive coordinator relative to uh, when he was the DC at Houston. If you look at the numbers, no, it was bad. Just one year, but his offense. He played his. his, his their offense was terrible too. Their teams that were good are like represent Mike Vrabel. I think it's fair to say. If Mike Vrabel is like, I'm open. If he tweets out right now, I'm open to be a DC this year. I do think there would be teams that would be willing to fire their defense yeah. coordinator, hire Mike Vrabel.
2: Was he calling defense? I mean, it, like he was clear. He was not uninvolved in the defense, right? In Tennessee. But he had a D. De- he was
3: he had a defensive coordinator also. Yeah. So it's hard to know exactly. How I, d- I don't think he called the defense, but I do think philosophically they view football as the same human. Run the ball. Play D. Beat you up. Steve Belichick's on the West Coast
2: now. Pete Carroll's available, John. Rex Ryan's free. There's a there's a a long list of legacy defensive coaches out there. Rex Ryan. Would he hire Pete Carroll? I mean, you know, it's I don't, I don't think I think of all those guys we mentioned, I don't think people think this. I think Pete would be the last guy to take that job. I think Pete, more than any of those other guys, as much as we think like, no, Bill's the guy that has to be in charge. I think Pete Val, I think Pete enjoys like the culture building more than like the third down play calling. And I think Pete's the most head coach of any of those guys, actually, as weird as that sounds. I think people think like Pete would come in and be hat Like, no, Pete wants to fucking put up the basketball hoop and bring in the, psych- bring in his guy. And like,
3: yeah, be- he be liked elevating to the, the CEO more than like, yeah, I, I think, Bill this year, it's like, uh, what was the former offensive lineman from Fresno state? Cole something. Popovich, yeah, was his offensive assistant offensive line. Coach. Oh, no, it was like Adrian Clem got oh. sick or something. And like a lot of people reported, Bill was much more active coaching the offensive line. You know, Bill, yeah. Bill likes the coaching. I, I, I think <laughs> I'd give him one year $25 million and have him come in. Kyle,
2: you know, those yeah. shows where they're like secret boss, where like the boss, the CEO comes down and like works in the cat, it's like the head of Starbucks comes down, Mr. Uh, Mr. Oh, Schultz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he'll, like, come down and make coffee in a disguise. Bill, That's Bill's fucking dream is that they make him. Like, all he has to do is be the barista. That's what it seems like, right? Bill just wants to get into the tape and call plays. Wasn't that but what he Chip also loves has been dreaming him. about for years? Yeah. I think Chris Peterson always said, Chris Peterson always said, like, you know, there was a part of me that was happiest when I was just
3: drawing plays on napkins in Boise. So. All I, right. I think it'd be sweet, but. I, I don't believe that he, if, if Steve Wilkes is fired, I think he knows who he's going to hire. I, I can't imagine you in middle of February, you'd fire a guy blind as part of the problem. Right. That, that's where I, I, I'm not as convinced because I think, I think really the names you're rolling out. Like, I, I don't, I know I saw you talked about Rex Ryan earlier. I don't think Kyle would mess with, mess with Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan's feels like a weird listen.
2: fit. It's not. But a, I, I do think, Kyle, if this job opens, you can go all of a sudden, you can. F- you can pull somebody out of another job. Not in NFL. I mean, it would be tough. Well, you can't steal a coach. You can't steal an NFL coach, yeah. Like
4: that's Dan part of Lin, the
2: problem. Danton Lin, be risky. That, that's a pretty big risk. I know. That's risky.
3: but Like, to me, if you would have told me that like they kind were of early, the situation. they needed a defensive coordinator like last year and hired him, I, that makes more sense than firing a guy to hire a guy who – he'd worked in the didn't he come from the ravens for a couple years who lynn lynn's kid yeah yep so like he, he's he got that mentor mcdonald like he's worked with those guys like it's it's not crazy honestly the move would have been like what's usc paying you to be their dc 1.5 we'll pay you 2 million to be our db coach with bell bill or something like that mm, i like that move again that's the that's one of kyle's great advantages right now is jed's willing to cut them big checks because yeah. it's proven to work. For as shitty as that was yesterday or two days ago, it worked. Like, what would Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie have done to be in that position to lose the Super Bowl? Right? Think of the other three or four teams. What would the Bills do to get there? You know, think of the other yeah. teams that are really in that upper echelon. The Cowboys haven't been to the conference championship game in 25 years. Did you see the stat that the 49ers, the amount like $25 million of merchandise, which was an NFL record over the two weeks of, you know, between the NFC championship game. Yeah. I'm a so big believer, believer in losing,
2: losing the Super Bowl is better than not being there. I'm I've I'm, I'm a big believer in that. But
3: in football uh, for sure. In basketball, you know, LeBron's lost about ten of them. <laughs> By the way, uh, I guess we're just waiting on Gottlieb's producer to call you, but
2: to end the show. No, it but, was uh, pushed back and he was running long. Oh, okay. Uh Eric Armstead has tore his meniscus against the Eagles. It was
3: just reported. So he played all season with torn meniscus or he had... Yes, the Eagles game. But did he have surgery and then come back? No, he's going to have off-season surgery. I think he's going to have to take a little pay cut to survive. I was
2: watching... uh, I don't think you saw it, or maybe you did. Uh, Brandon Ayuk they're asking him questions today at his locker Yeah, and he's wearing sunglasses and can bear John can barely talk like it's like 15 seconds of silence as he's trying to answer a question. And somebody sent me a DM on Instagram yesterday. Like, you know, I just have a, such a hard time. Like these guys go, go back to their cat, their mansions and, uh, and I'm just suffering. And I said, you know, man, I, I was around this team a lot this year. Like, they're suffering. They're uh, really suffering. Who said they get to go back to their mansions? Oh, so, fan? you know, just a Niner fan who's upset. Oh, I got you. You got know, you know, just which I understand. Like I, I had sympathy in my reply because this person obviously cares a lot. Also, and I, what I wanted to convey is like all these guys care a lot. Any team you've been around, you've worked for teams like it's emotional. But just being in their locker room a lot and like getting to talk to a lot of them, like. They really, really, really wanted to win the Super Bowl, as you would imagine. I'm not breaking. I
3: think that guy has to be an outlier. I think most people, if you watch these guys talk after the game, were fucking devastated. Yeah, yeah.
2: I think everyone's a little emotional right now.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. A lot of
2: people are emotional right now. Okay. Now, God leaves calling. All right. See ya. There goes John. Um, So anyway, that's just about the end of the show. But all you guys are here, so appreciate being here. I think I might have had some start some comments to get to. I did. Sorry, Charlie, with a super chat. Do you think Wilkes or the next DC would be more successful if Kyle doesn't force the wide nine on them? Let them get, let's get a stream with Grant sometime. Thanks, Charlie. Um, Well, it feels like Kacarek is a non-negotiable as a defensive line coach. The wide nine is pretty frustrating. Um, But, you know, when you've got Bosa, and that's what Bosa is comfortable playing I think you have to take that into consideration. Uh, I I wouldn't you would not see me tearing up if the white nine went away. But uh, Chris Kaserik's got a pretty damn good track record. They're going to have to find another pass rusher opposite of Bosa and uh, and become like a truly dominant D line. Now you got Greenlaw Achilles. You got Armstead should be fine, but going for off season surgery. The other thing with Armstead is not just the knee; it's you know his foot issue. That's Bad long-term, especially for a big guy. Something to be concerned about. TJ on the stream, I'm a Chiefs fan. And if they would have lost, I'd have had to unsubscribe to the channel. Happy to still be here. Well, TJ, I hope Niner fans don't feel the same. Because they kind of need them to keep this sucker going. Tyler talking about Purdy says, passes get batted down way too often. You know, I don't think that... I mean, yes. Yes. But, as I've said many times, I don't think it's the batted passes that are the issue so much as the the throws that are not batted but are just disrupted because Purdy can't follow through or you know, can't really he's got somebody in his chest and he's just not big enough to throw the football while somebody's got an arm on him, that sort of thing. Um, Eric on the stream just tuned in, saw the headline. Think you might need to specify which mistake. Well, I guess the, it's the beauty of that being general. There's probably uh, a lot of mistakes. VK says Herbert has the most batted down passes since being in the league. How tall is he? Herbert's six six. Herbert's like a legit six six. Yeah. Once upon a reset said Jed, Jed consumed the cult of Kyle Kool Aid. A fresh batch of cult of Kyle Kool-Aid is already being prepared for next season. Drink up, Kyle Cultists. Um, This happens. You've been to multiple Super Bowls, multiple NFC Championship games. I think he's proven he's a pretty damn good coach. Uh, I don't know which part of IUK you're referring to if you're talking about the IUK uh, Insta s- s- stories. I talked about it on a stream from this morning. So go over and watch that stream. Um, All right. I think that's it. That's it. I already did a, I did like 55 minutes this morning. Here's a strong 40 with John. Thanks for hanging out everybody. As always. Uh, Somebody asked me this morning. So if you didn't hear that one, what's the plan here? The plan is I'm going to be back tomorrow and then I'm going to be back the next day. And then we're just going to keep this sucker going. You guys have been really supportive on YouTube and on the podcast. You have uh, watched the videos more than ever. You have clicked like more than ever. You've continued to subscribe and share. Keep doing it. That really helps. Because you've done that, uh, I'm inspired to keep doing more. And, um, and it makes more money, which is important. So thank you for that. And uh, so that's the plan right now. So I just I'm trying to communicate that to as many of you as possible. It's cliche. It truly would not be possible for me to keep doing it if it were not for you. If you didn't watch, I would not keep doing it. If I don't think more people will watch and it can grow, then, uh, then it then I would stop doing it. So since you're here, thank you. And uh, let's we'll do it again soon. Tomorrow actually, tomorrow morning I'll be back tomorrow morning. All right, thanks everybody. Later.